What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a fun-filled, entertaining, and wildly informative episode of the Speaker Secrets Podcast. This is your host, Enrico Ambrister. Thank you for tuning in. It is always a pleasure to have you here, whether you are new or returning. Super glad that you're with us today. Now, I am excited about today's episode because it is an interview with the legend himself, Dan Ram. So Dan is an igniter. He's a five-time TEDx speaker, entrepreneur, MC, and coach. His life and his professional experience have taken him all over the world where he's been known to speak at over 100 events a year, including hosting change makers like President Barack Obama, billionaire founders Sir Richard Branson and Reid Hoffman, Grammy award-winning celebrities, and much, much more. But aside from all of his accomplishments, what I love most about Dan is his energy and his heart. You can tell that he really cares about helping others and empowering them to the best of his ability. So I was honored to have this conversation, and I suggest that you tune in, take some notes, and join me as we all learn from Dan Ram. Hey, Dan, welcome to the Speaker's Secrets Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Adrico. I'm super excited about this. Yes, I'm excited as well. I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. Let's begin by telling our audience who you are and just what you're about. I am an ordinary human being living an extraordinary life. I am so grateful for the chaos, the madness, the adventure, the highs and lows, the roller coaster of it all. And I know for those listening, I'm sure you resonate with it as well. But honestly, I'm just your neighbor. I'm your brother. I'm your son. I'm your uncle. I'm your nephew. I'm just one of you that has been so uh, living this crazy life because, and I know we're going to talk about these four words, start now, start simple. As soon as I changed my mindset about how I'm approaching life, life itself changed for me. Oh, man, I absolutely love that. And yeah, so let's dive right into it, because for anybody that's tuning in, if they were to Google your name, they Mm. would also find these four words. Start now, start simple. So what is the concept of start now, start simple? How did you come up with it? Well, I think it came up. I didn't force it or anything of that sort, but I look back on some of the critical moments of my life, which maybe not so oddly or ironically are also some of the hardest moments of my life. And I wondered what got me out of it. I also, for those who do not know who I am, make a living by interviewing some of the greatest change makers in the world. So whether it's President Barack Obama, whether it's F1, you know, Formula One champions like Nico Rosberg or football stars like Philip Lahm, or whether it is billionaire founders of companies like LinkedIn and Facebook, I interview these people and I, everyone wants to know, how did you get so successful? And I found a very simple pattern. It wasn't merely having a dream. It wasn't merely putting together a vision board. It wasn't writing a mission statement for your life. It was about taking that first step. That was the key to their success. And when I look back on my own life, I, whether it was surviving a lion attack, true story at the age of 16, whether it was uh, reinventing myself at the recession, the first recession that I had experienced, which was 10 years ago, living in Ireland, or even recently with the pandemic last year, all of these moments, I was able to move forward simply because I dared to start and let it be known there was no clear path. 
There was no clear end goal. I just started anywhere, somewhere. And then, oh man, oh man, like I've already teased out, I feel like I'm living such an extraordinary life. But you could not connect that first moment from the last moment. And so that's that's where I came up with start now, start simple. It's just like, just appreciate starting right now and starting simple. And like I said, I got tons of stories I can share with you, but yeah, that's what yeah, it is. Most, I definitely want to hear more. You said you survived the lion attack? Yeah. All right, let's oh, go there, man. Let's, okay. let's go there. So I was 16, a uh, mere little teenager living in Southern Africa in a country called Zimbabwe. We were on a school trip and, you know, 10 girls in front of me, my English teacher behind me. I was last in the line. We had a guide walking in the very front. In the daytime, we're out sailing these beautiful catamaran sailboats. And at lunchtime, we would dock on these random islands and we would explore the wildlife. We saw zebras and wildebeest and baboons and all kinds of birds and insects. We studied the dung on the floor. We studied the footprints. And at one point, the guide told us, let's walk into the bush. The bush, a reference to where it gets really thick. So you have like the open land, kind of like the savanna that you might see in Kenya. And then you've got like yeah. this thick bush where your vision is severely limited by all the plants and what you call elephant grass. So it's like regular grass, except it's above your head. So you imagine walking through grass if you were an ant. That's the experience. So we were walking through the bush, went out of nowhere, with oh no uh, you know, advance warning, we just hear this running at us full speed, full speed, just a sound. Now, most humans are not trained on what that sound refers to, I'm but sure. <laughs> every human realizes when we're knocked off the food chain mm -hmm. and you know when you're going to be eaten. You just know that sound. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. You know you're going to get eaten. And so everybody ran. Now, Edrico, I wish I could tell you I was a courageous man, so I stood my ground, but that's not the case. My brain said, run, gosh darn it, run. And my body gut went, are you crazy, Dan? <laughs> like, no. And so I stood my ground, which actually was the right thing to do, okay. but I didn't know. It. it was just a body malfunction. I'm just going to be honest about it. Um, but what happened is all the girls started running to the right, and so the sound started running to my right. The guide, in a split second, yelled stop. Now, when you're in fight or flight mode, there isn't a lot of processing that happens. Your right. brain doesn't really think through stuff. And so when, they, when he yelled stop, everyone just froze without overthinking it. And that's when we saw, coming out of the bush, this glorious, wild, apex predator, the king of the jungle, the lion. Beautiful mane, muscly paws, and you just see his teeth, and you see it drooling. And it's just looking at each one of us, sizing us up, daring us to flinch and to move. And so in my mind, I was thinking, all right, what are the options here? There were trees, but you cannot outclimb a lion. There was land, but you can't outrun a lion. There was water, but you can't outswim a lion. And even though I work out, I certainly could not outfight the lion. So really, I was stuck with no options. And I mean, if, in, in some ways, it's a nice analogy for life. For me, that was, that was not figurative. It was literal. Like, there was literally no options. I literally had no options. But I think many times for our listeners, you find yourself seemingly where there are no options. So what do you do? And I learned something really simple here, Edrico. The first thing you do is you stand. Mm. Even if you get knocked down, you stand up. Even if you get pushed back, you stand. You stand your ground. It's the first thing. 
And the second thing really took me by surprise because the guide just quietly whispered to us, take one step forward. Now, there was no instructions. Why are we going forward? How many steps forward will we have to take? Is it to the left? Is it to the right? Is it diagonal? Do we stand on a twig? Do we try to make a lot of noise or no noise? No instructions. Just take one step forward. And so we all took one cautious step forward. And I'm telling you now, for anyone who ever faces a wild lion, it is actually the only thing that you should do is to face your fear, to face your insecurities, to face whatever obstacle you have and walk one step forward towards it. Because then what the lion does is it throws it off its game. It's so used to chasing things. It has no idea why the prey is now walking towards it. And so it slowly backs down and we take another cautious step forward and it backs down at every step we take forward. We feel stronger. We feel more confident. We feel more able. We feel like the tables have turned. And like I'm saying, this was a literal situation in my life, but boy, does it play well on a figurative level it that really when does. you are <laughs> at the bottom of a pit, when you are stuck, mm. the first step, you might be scared. The second step, you will be less scared. By the 10th step, you've got so much momentum, you're chasing it away instead of it chasing you. I love that. Well, first of all, let me say that I'm glad that you're alive to tell this story, <laughs> but definitely- Thank you. You, you took something that, you know, really happened in your life. And obviously, like you said, it relates so well on a figurative level. And I love the way that you just told a story, but you tied it into a message. And yeah. obviously, you've spoken all around the world and in different countries as well. How has storytelling really impacted your ability to connect to people? Because you just demonstrated just now how just telling a story can be very engaging. Um, I, I felt fear, I felt happiness, I felt all of these different emotions. And you tied it back into really a message that could be considered to be a universal message. So how important is storytelling and what have you done to really increase your storytelling power? Storytelling, no doubt, has inspired, motivated, and impacted tens of thousands, dare I say hundreds of thousands, but the greatest impact has been my own life. Mm -hmm. I think that storytelling really is the discovery of self. I have learned more about myself. I've learned more about the life I live in. I have had more chances to introspect, to analyze, to grow, and to learn by telling these stories. Because come on, I was only 16 when that lion you know, stared me down. 16. There's only so much computational and cognitive ability at that age. But as I have continued to retell that story, I mean, now I'm 35. So that was almost 20 years ago. Um, as I continue to tell the story, I draw more from it. I learn more about myself. I learn where to make fun of myself. Like when I say, you know, my body malfunctioned. And, and I also learn where to give myself credit. I took that first step. I took that second credit. So some of the learnings happen well after, but not if you don't tell the story. Not if you don't know how to see the story in every situation, right? And so the greatest learning, Adrico, has been for me. It's been transformative. Also, while I appreciate the many compliments that I get around the energy on stage and around the charisma and around being engaging, I have to say, I and my family know where I began. Yeah. And the beginning spot is this introverted, shy, nerdy, people feared person. <laughs> so I, I avoided social settings. I avoided attention. 
if a teacher asked, do you have any questions? And even if I have a question, I wouldn't raise my hand to dare people start looking at me. And so I went from that kid to now a person who makes a career, not just speaking and hosting events, but training others in storytelling and coaching people how to find their unique voice. And that's because I am witness to my own transformation because of storytelling. So I think it's so powerful if you want to switch your life around. I think it's so powerful if you want to learn about yourself. And to me, self-awareness is everything. Once yeah. you know your strengths and weaknesses, once you know who made you, why you're made, and why you're here, and everything in life just falls into alignment to that point. That's amazing, man. Yeah, so I, I can definitely just feel your passion. And I appreciate you just for being transparent and saying, hey, you know, I wasn't always here, but through self-awareness through my transformational journey it's how i got to this point and how i'm continuing to move forward so that's really inspirational to me and i'm sure those that are tuning in um i really want to know what is let's say one of the biggest lessons that you've learned whether it's personal lessons or a lesson about people from speaking globally and being able to relate to others who might be different than you are oh such a good question so if I may for a second, I had a leg up because my dad was a diplomat for the Indian government. So I spent my life moving. Every two to three years, we moved to a brand new country. So I have lived and grown up in 10 countries, spending an average of three years in every country. And not just that, uh, living on multiple continents, but also I went to international schools where I was interacting with 60 to 90, uh, well, different nationalities on a daily basis, daily. And so I feel like I've had a little bit of a leg up. It's not just my career that has had me interfacing with so many cultures. I feel like my whole life has been that way. I will say that one big lesson I have learned is at the core of every human are some really basic values. Values like we want to belong, mm -hmm. we want to be loved, or appreciated, we want to be seen. I know on the exterior, we look very different, we sound very different, we act very different, we have different opinions and ideologies and all of that. But I think at the very core, I know when I'm on stage and I look at someone, I call them by name, it doesn't matter what culture I'm in. I know when I've got a piano and we sing a song, it doesn't even matter if people know what the lyrics mean. I know when I can crack a joke and everyone laughs, it doesn't matter what their credentials, accolades, or titles are. At the very core, we're all the same. It, we just want the same things. We want to be seen. We want to be valued. We want to be loved. And we want to belong. And so I feel like that ultimately at the bottom line is at the core of what it is that I do. Sure, you know, my, my role in a certain event might be something, but that's what I'm aiming for. I just want everyone to know that I see them, I love them, and I really want to see them grow and be empowered to be the truest version of themselves. I absolutely love that. There's this term that I coined that I call the human paradox. And for me, the human paradox is, you know, we are all different. We have different cultures, different interests, different sizes, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, we are also all the same. You know, it, we share that that basic humanity. And I, I love that you express that in um, such a great way. Now, 
you you've spoken globally you've connected with people all over the world and then COVID-19 happened it threw everybody for a loop and I know that one of the big topics that you speak about sometimes is opportunity crisis so I want you to talk a bit about what opportunity crisis is and how COVID-19 shaped what you did and how you had to adjust Great question, Adrico. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. So yeah, the pandemic threw everybody for a loop, everybody. And for me, it hit really deep because my career as a keynote speaker and more than that, a host of tech conferences involves two things. It involves travel and involves big crowds of people. So generally, I was flying every two to three days to a new country. I usually do about 100 events a year. So some simple math will lead you to Usually I'm being in two countries uh, a week. Also, I'm doing anything from, you know, 22 people in a boardroom all the way to 20 to 40,000 people at a convention center. And I love the diversity of it. I love the global globality of it. It's not even a word. We're pointing it <laughs> right now. Um, so I love all of it. And the pandemic took that away <laughs> very fast, like really fast, like overnight. So Opportunity crisis, um, you know, hitting rock bottom, uh, running out of options. It's all, you know, we, we do find, I, I, I cannot imagine anyone listening to this episode and not empathizing with being in a similar place at some point in their life. It may not be that dr as dramatic as mine, or it might even be more dramatic, but we all find ourselves in that place. The start now, start simple philosophy is essentially at the core of what do you do? So I'm going to do a fast version of a story that repeats multiple times in my life. Okay. I, you know, came, so at that point I had to decide, do I sit in my, you know, 47th floor apartment in Dubai all by myself, self-isolated in a pandemic, or do I come back to my parents here in India? And that was a really quick, easy decision because honestly, I cannot survive on my own. So I was like, all right, I'll come back home to India. Coming back to India was a, seemingly a uh, career, what do you call Like I, I, I killed my career at that point coming back to India because all my work is in Europe. So you have time zone differences, you have geographic uh, distances, you have all these issues, language barriers and all that. So why would I do that? And so I came back because it was just a gut feeling. And I was sitting in my room thinking, what do I do? How do I reinvent? How do I adapt? How do I pivot? And this is where Start Now, Start Simple begins. And so you just start uh, what I call with, uh, you know, start now, start simple or, or, you know, the three ends to opportunity, which is it's often something nearby. It's often disguised as something very normal, but you got to act on it now. So those are your three ends nearby, normal, and the moment is now. Uh, and so I started looking for that. What was normal? What was nearby? And what could I action now? Otherwise known as start now, start simple. So I love Lego. I started doing that. Now, here's the thing. I couldn't find a way to make a career out of it, but I played a lot with Lego and that was good for my mental health. I also decided that I was going to get in crazy good shape. And so I started working out twice a day. Now that helped a little bit, you know, online, a couple of people started following me and be like, well, we love this. And, um, they started asking me for advice because I dropped 20 kilos. I don't know. That's like 44 pounds, um, in, in about a year and, a, and some change. And so people were like, this is amazing you know, transforming your life. So I was like, okay, maybe something here, but it still hadn't hit jackpot. So I was like, okay, what else is there? I love music. So I started putting out piano pieces and singing pieces every other day on Instagram stories. Okay, not too bad. People liked it. They were asking for like some mini concerts on the weekends. Great. All of that until 
one weekend, I was talking to someone on my team and he said, Dan, one of your dreams was to have your own talk show. I've always wanted to have one of these late night shows. And so he's like, why don't you just start? And I was like, what? Like go to a studio and just ask them in the middle of pandemic if they want to take a, a, you know, a hit on some unknown talents and start a show. He's like, no, 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 just at home, pull your phone out and just do an Instagram live. It's like, why not? Start now, start simple. Yeah, why not? So the humble beginnings was you take your phone out, go to Instagram live. I went on for 60 minutes. I had seven viewers. Okay, fine. Next day, he said, do it again. Why don't you try Facebook? So we did. Went on Facebook. We had 24 viewers. Okay, growth. But come on, 24 is still rock bottom for someone that was talking to 200, 250,000 people a year. So I was like, okay, it's all right. Humble pie. Go for it. Keep going. So he gave me a challenge. He said, do it every day. Go for 30 days. I said, 30? Let's do 40. <laughs> so we randomly picked 40 days. And so 40 days, I did it. Now, here's the part, Rico, that no one ever considers when you do things like this. By doing it every single day, I got better every single day. By doing it every single day, I learned the ability to communicate on camera, which is very different from communicating to a live audience. I learned how to set up my own lights and my own uh, gear, which you don't have to do when you do live shows because you have sound teams and you have engineers and you have production uh, crew and all of that. I learned how to keep people's attention online, which by the way, has got to be one of the greatest skills out there right now because everyone is so distracted and yet everybody is online. I learned all this stuff simply by putting the work every day. And then nothing prepared me because 40 days later, someone said, Dan, why don't we do a benefit concert for nurses, for International Nurses Day? You know, height of the, height of the pandemic. It's like, why not? Let's do it. We got 150 artists from around the world who performed at this benefit concert. There's no way I could have even known how to put on a benefit concert online if I hadn't pulled out my phone and started with Instagram Live. But what didn't? What I was not prepared for is someone from HP, Hewlett Packard, like head office in the US, happened to watch that. And they liked how I communicated on camera. And so she called me and she said, Dan, our staff have to relearn how to do all their work online and on camera. Can you start training? And so for the last year and a half, I've been training one of the biggest companies in the world, all their staff globally on how to communicate on camera. What I was not prepared for is that HP would talk to Microsoft and Microsoft would start talking to car companies. And before I knew it, fast forward a few months, I was back to hosting virtual events, traveling in the middle of a pandemic, sanctioned and not sanctioned, sanctioned is the wrong word, but uh, allowed by governments, permitted by governments to travel because they saw the value of the work I was doing. I was going to studios around the world, hosting virtual events, working in a whole different space, but still doing what I love. The why had never changed. Just how I was doing it had changed because I dared to start now, start simple. But the opportunity came from crisis. I had to be at rock bottom. I had to for me to even think about learning something new because I was so comfortable, so cushy in what I was doing before. I wouldn't have wanted to step out of the comfort zone, but the opportunity only presented itself in the crisis. But it also came disguised as something very normal, something nearby, and something out to action now. Yeah. But nothing prepared me for that. I went back to introducing and working like the CEO of Microsoft and back to working with presidents around the world, but all just virtually now. So this is, to me, the power of start now, start simple. I'm very proud to say that even though my career was really like off the charts before 
Uh, and I say that, I know it sounds arrogantly, but honestly, I'm just surprised because what I'm doing now is what I never imagined I'd ever do in my life. And so uh, I say that just very uh, out of shock and surprise to say that my career was doing really well before, but now with the pandemic, my business actually doubled. My profits actually tripled simply because I dare to start now, start simple. I dare to find the opportunity in crisis. I dare to say I can still adapt. I can still reinvent myself and this world needs that and I'm ready for it. So let's go. Yes, that, that's amazing, man. That, that shows the, the utility and the, the usefulness of just starting now, starting simple. And I, I really love the three ends that you use. Hey, if, if you're tuning into this, I hope you're taking notes because this is some good stuff. Okay, make sure that you <laughs> rewind it, listen to it as many times as you need to make sure that you're soaking up this information because I know I am. Okay, so Dan, you, from what I can see, you brand yourself as MC host, mm -hmm. then five mm -hmm. X, five times TEDx speaker, and also a coach. So I want to focus on TEDx because I'm sure a lot of people that are tuning in love to watch TEDx videos. Many of them want to grace a TEDx stage, and you've had the opportunity of doing that um, several times. So what are what is your biggest takeaway or maybe some of your biggest takeaway from gracing the TEDx stage? Oh, I love the TEDx stage because it was pivotal when it comes to credibility, mm -hmm. right? Uh, prior to being a professional speaker, I was speaking in school every time there was a presentation. I was speaking in college every time I had to turn an assignment or run something for my student body or in a, any kind of choir that I was part of. I was speaking in church, I was speaking at family gatherings, I was speaking at youth camps, like everyone finds himself in a place of public speaking in some capacity or the other all the time. But the day I stood on that red circle, people went, oh, that's different. Now, part of that was because I put a lot of pressure on myself. I, with anything in life, as you can hear from the stories, I never undermine humble beginnings. And so even though, it might have not been New York City or some mega TEDx circle. It was a red circle. And to me, it was worth putting 100%. And so I did. And I have to tell you, Drico, I was so scared. In fact, I was, I, was at, I was on at 6 p.m. I was so scared, I didn't even enter the building until 4.30 p.m. <laughs> I, and, and the show had began that morning. I mean, there were other speakers, but I was petrified. And I'd been speaking my, you know, as much as anyone else does all the time. So I went in, I gave him my best, but what ended up happening was it was a shift in people's minds as to who I was. I think sometimes in life we're given these opportunities that if we rise to it, it helps us shift to another level, but also helps other people, even your loved ones, people who know you very well go, oh, Edrico has moved forward. He's moved up, right? And for me, the TEDx was one of those moments. Um, I have to also say that when I introduced Sir Richard Branson, a personal hero of mine, uh, possibly one of the first human astronauts ever into space, um, that was another moment. When people saw that picture of the two of us, they went, oh, Dan's not just hosting college gatherings and parliament gatherings. Like he's, he's working with like globally recognized people. And then, of course, recently when President Obama and I were on stage, then all of a sudden the American crew were like, wait a second, <laughs> who is this Dan Ram guy? Hold right. up, hold up. And so I think these are all stepping stones, right? 
honestly, I wouldn't have got President Obama without the steps before that. I wouldn't have got a TEDx talk if I wasn't giving 100% to every youth group gathering, every family gathering, every church gathering. I wouldn't have gotten those if I didn't wait, wake up one morning and go, you know what? I don't want to be the shy, nerdy, introverted, petrified, scared kid. I, I, I want to turn this around. Why do the other kids have everyone surround them and laugh at their jokes and you know show them love? And I'm just discarded on the side. I want to change the story. And so I think these stepping stones are crucial. And TEDx was certainly one of those stepping stones in my life. Perfect. Yeah, and I'm super glad that the content is out there because it's very uplifting. So once again, if you're tuning in, go check out those TEDx talks um, from my man, Dan Ram here. Now, Dan, as we near the end of this podcast, I'm really interested to find out how do you generate and maintain your energy? Because you have a lot of it, obviously, but um, energy isn't created. You have to generate it. And then I'm sure also you have to maintain it. So what are some of your techniques for doing that? Dude, you just mentioned right there, generate and maintain. But mm -hmm. can I also say you cannot project what you don't possess? Mm. Right. So for me, Energy is not about projecting it. Charisma is not about projecting it. Clarity is not about projecting it. Love is not about projecting it. I think too many people focus on looking the part without being the part. And so for me, all of my advice, even when I'm coaching people, is how do you possess it? Like how do you truly take yourself, yourself to the next level? Not just show other people, not just do it for others, but yourself. Yeah. So as a introvert by nature, my... Um, energy generation are very introverted activities. Now for an extrovert, this may look a little bit different, but this is my morning routine. So it begins right in the, in the beginning. All right. So I have something called my five G morning routine. And so if you got a pen and paper, you can write these down. And if you want, I'm happy to elaborate more. I'm very, very accessible on social media. Send me a DM and I'll respond right away with these. But my five G morning routine comes down to this God, gym, goals, gratitude, growth. All right. So I do something in all of these five pillars every day. God is the spiritual element. And for me, it's really important to take the pressure off of ourselves to imagine that we are our own gods in our universe. And to remember, we're part of something much bigger, something much more eternal. And we can tap into superpowers. We can tap into the next level if we just see ourselves in a spiritual light and not merely in a physical light. But speaking about physical, the second is the gym, which is the yeah. physical. And there's enough science to tell you, and everyone should know this at this point, when you work out, even something as a quick game of badminton or tennis, a workout in the gym or a walkout in nature, you actually reorganize your hormonal um, composition. Essentially, you're a different person. Like you literally become a different person at the end of a workout. And as you would expect all the hormones that lead to uh, anxiety and stress go down. Hormones that are uh, connected to pleasure um, and to focus go up. So you actually elevate yourself to another level just by working out. So the second G is gym, and that that's related to doing something physical. The third is goals, and that's doing something professional. I also find it's very important that I write my goals for the day rather than opening my email or my to-do list and having other people tell me what my goals for the day should be. Sure. And so I also am very good about, and I encourage everyone to really master time management. 
and go on your calendar and put your goals on the calendar. It is not enough to make a to-do list of 40 items and then suddenly at 10 o'clock at night go, whoa, I only did 10 of those. So put in the calendar. And part of that with um, the, the goals part and the, and the professional is the fourth G, which is gratitude, which is emotional, mm -hmm. right? So it's not enough to just do a bunch of stuff for the day, but you got to check in. So I just said gratitude because the pandemic, a lot of people were hard on themselves, right? A lot of people were down on themselves. I said, start with gratitude, but gratitude stands for do something emotional. All right. And so this is just checking in with yourself and going, what am I anxious about for the day? What am I excited about for the day? If you don't have anything to be excited about, then put that as one of your goals, write down something in your calendar that will bring you joy that you can look forward to during the day. Right. So even your emotional check-ins, should happen throughout the day and should be calendar based. And finally, the fifth is growth, which I also call creational. Start the momentum in the morning. Don't wait till you switch on your Zoom call or you have your team meeting to infuse yourself with learning and growing. Start it in the morning, listen to a podcast, watch a TED talk, uh, You know, talk to a friend that elevates you to another level, read a book, journal, do anything that is creational. So the five G's, God, gym, goals, gratitude, growth, which also stands for doing something spiritual, physical, professional, emotional, and creational. So that is what I do. Now, some days I only have 20 minutes. And so I pick two or three of these pillars and I work on it, but I do something from one of the, from these five every day. And on great days, I do all five. And those days, there's nothing stopping me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing, man. Because when I when I hear five G, I think of like phone service, right? You need five G to power up your your phone. So that's amazing. And something that I love what you said and that I took away from it was uh, the emotional check ins during the day. Because a lot of times we hear, you know, practice gratitude in the morning, practice it at night, and obviously that's great. But making sure that we check in throughout the day as to what we're grateful for and you know how, how we're feeling emotionally. That is amazing. All right, Dan, thank you so much for being here on The Speaker Secrets. Go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you and more about your work. Oh, first of all, Edrico, thank you so much for doing this. You know, I think hosting a podcast has got to be one of the more thankless roles out there. Because while you're out there hustling, finding people, curating conversations, thinking ahead, preparing your content, and then all the work that goes into editing it and publishing it, often you don't really see people's reactions. So on behalf of everyone who's listening, can I just say to you, my man, thank you so much. And I really appreciate not just the opportunity to be on this episode, but all the work that you put in uh, on the series to create such good, valuable content. So thank you, thank you, thank you. As far as people listening to me, and listening to my voice right now, if I can support you, if I can add value to your life, please reach out. My name is Dan Ram. You can just Google Dan Ram. You'll find websites, you'll find social media, or you can just look me up at I am Dan Ram. So I am Dan Ram on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. I put out tons of free content almost daily, everything from little motivational tidbits all the way to full out vlogs. If you just want to travel vicariously through me, or if you want to see behind the scenes as I meet people in the raw, not the polished look that you see on stage on YouTube, but as I'm backstage in the green room with them chatting, if you want tips on public speaking, uh, I put a lot of free content on there. And then I have tons of courses and coaching and workshops I do constantly because my ultimate goal is to use my position as a platform. Uh, I do not want to reach a height that I cannot bring other people on. Uh, 
And anything I have, I want to turn it to bless others, to empower others. So everything I have, all the knowledge I have, all the access I have, I make available to my audience on social media uh, to elevate them. So please do reach out at I am Dan Ram and do not be shocked or surprised when I respond. Usually I respond within 30 or 40 minutes uh, to every DM personally. So yeah, do reach out. Awesome. Well, Dan, I appreciate your appreciation. I appreciate your presence, everything that you're you're giving to those that are tuning in and those all around the world. We are, are so grateful uh, to have you just here existing on this earth. Thank you once again. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Dan, just visit the links in my show notes. I can promise you that you will not be disappointed. Before you leave, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notifications when more good content is available for you because trust me, there is more coming. This week, have a wonderful and productive week. Sending you my best energy as always. And until next time, this is your host, Enrico Ambrister, signing off.